first reading today comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our gospel reading today, which will serve as our sermon text, comes from John chapter 15, verses 2 through 17. Jesus said, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. May the love of God freely given to you in Jesus Christ surround you and sustain you today and always. Amen. All right, I have a story that I want to start out with. It's, I think it's pretty funny. So a group of women were gathered together at a seminar, and it was a seminar about loving your spouse better, loving your husband better. And so they were kind of learning different ways and different things like that. And, and the moderator at one point asked the, the wives, how, how often do you tell your husband that you love him? And some of them said, you know, oh, every week, some said every day, some said every hour, all different responses like that. And then she said, okay, well, here's what I want you to do. I want you, I want you right now to text your husband and just say, I love you, sweetheart. All right, so she made everyone do that. So everyone in the room, they all texted their husbands, I love you, sweetheart. And then she waited for all the responses and she asked them to trade phones and to read the responses out loud. And some of the responses are absolutely hysterical, like, um, are you sick or... What now? Did you crash the car? Or don't beat around the bush. Seriously, how much money is it going to take? Or uh, am I dreaming? Or you've never told me this before? Or one of my favorites was just three question marks. And then there was another one that said, if I find out who this message is actually for, dot, dot, dot. And then the last one that was reported, the last one was, who is this? Now, I think that's kind of funny. And I hope you do too. And it's meant to be kind of lighthearted. But that's kind of the example that we think of when we think of love, isn't it? That if someone were to express, if a spouse were to express love, that the other spouse would be so, um, so unfamiliar with it that they would respond in these types of ways. And these are the examples that we often think about in the world around us. These are the examples, these are the examples that we see. And we see these examples around us. It's, it's sort of like, like we should ask ourselves, how can we ever know what love is if that's what we think about? If we have this, this incorrect understanding and we, and we have this broken, un, broken picture, then how can we ever really know what love is? 
But that's not the way all love is. And, and I don't even believe that's the way all human love is. And that's what I want to encourage you to see, not just today, but, but going forward. I want you to see the examples of human love that we have. And I want you to see the good ones and to realize they're, they're not all broken. Now, again, they're not all perfect because we live in a sin-filled world. And even our perfect examples, even the ones that we do best, don't measure up to God. But they are still pictures. They're still pictures of what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. In fact, in fact, that's what God tells us about love. He tells us that through our expressions of love, other people will know and understand his love. In fact, we, we say it at weddings, we pastors, we say uh, that this marriage, this union between husband and wife is intended by God to be a picture of the communion that he has for his bride, the church. You see, God wants us to be able to look to those positive examples as well and to see in those positive examples what love is truly all about and to see in those positive examples what it means for us to be loved by God. Well, well let's start with a, with a fundamental understanding. Let's start just kind of with a basic understanding that, that love is a choice that we make. All right, love is a choice. You choose to love and you choose not to love. Those are both choices that we make. It's not based on all the other things that we might wrap around it. It's not based just on attraction or beauty or majesty. You should probably hear in this Isaiah's prophecy. It's not those things that attract us to Jesus and it's not those things that are the basis for love in the world. Those things might start it. They might be the kindling for it. But those things are not the basis of love. In fact, what love is intended to be is a choice, a decision that we make to be in a long-standing relationship with someone else that encourages the best in them. A long-standing relationship with someone else, with another person, that encourages the best in them. Now, this isn't just about marriage. So before you say, oh yes, a long-standing relationship that encourages the best in them, we're, we're going to talk about marriage. We are a little bit, but not just. In fact, I want to talk about all the types of love first. There are four different types of love. You've probably heard this before. And if you heard someone talk about it, they may have even used a foreign language, which is great, but most of us speak English. And so let's just deal with this in English today. The first type of love that I want you to, to think about, the first type of love that I, I believe you've experienced at some point in your life is, is romantic love. Right? Romantic love is the most common expression of love in our world. Right? It's, what, it's what Hallmark movies are all about. Romantic love is that expression between a husband and a wife. It's that expression that is made. Well, the truth is, the truth is this type of romantic love is actually never mentioned in the New Testament at all. Never, not once, is that mentioned in the New Testament as such. And yet we know what it is, attraction, passion, basic. We, we know what this love is, but that's not to some way suggest that it's bad. No, on the contrary, it is a gift of God, and romantic love is a significant part of marital relationship, right, of, of married love, and, and again, that's the picture of the love that Christ has for his bride, the church. But it's not the only type of love, and this type of love is finite. In fact, what do we say? What do we say in marriage vows? But till death us do part. It's a finite love, no matter what. It's a good gift, and it's a type of love that we need to experience. But it's not the end all. So move to the next type of love. The next, the next type of love is familial love. And familial love is, is, interestingly, only used in the New Testament in the negative. 
right? And before you run off and go, oh yeah, I've been part of that family. No, that's not what I mean. The way that it's used in the New Testament, familial love, easy enough to say, right? Familial love, the way that it's used in the New Testament is actually to talk about someone who's completely heartless. It says if you want to know what, what someone who's loveless is like, imagine a person who doesn't even love their family. That's the way that it's used. But familial love is, is the love that a mother has for her child. Familial love is the love that, well, that a, a father has for his daughter. Familial love, we might also say, at least in a lighthearted way, is the love that a child has for their dog. That's familial love. It's a bond that's very difficult to break. Again, I won't say never because we live in a broken world where, where sin abounds. But it's a love that's very difficult to break. It's the love that would cause a father to welcome back his prodigal son. That's familial love. That's the second type of love I want you to think about. First, romantic love. Second, familial love. And the third kind is brotherly love. And this is mentioned all over the New Testament, right? Brotherly love. Brotherly love is, is that, that kind of love that you know is, uh, is, is the basis of a good friendship, right? Of one that you say, this is my, this is my best friend. That's, that's this kind of love. And that type of love causes you to stand up for someone else no matter what. It's the love that would cause you to endure physical harm if you see someone, if you see someone attacking your friend. This is that type of love, brotherly love. And it, it often begins with affinity, right? A moment where you and someone else recognize that you have something in common, where you and someone else recognize that, that there's a reason why you want to walk together. And so you, you do it. You, you walk together. You move forward. You move in a relationship that needs to continually be nurtured, but one that, well, that usually is pretty easy. Brotherly love is the kind of love that makes you never tire of seeing your friend. Makes you, makes you smile every time they come to your door. That's, that's brotherly love. And then there's one more kind of love that I want to talk about. And this is the type of love that actually informs all the other types of love, and it's complete love. It's a love that is, that is whole, that is complete. And this is the type of love that's spoken of a lot in the New Testament. Maybe most, this and brotherly love are definitely the two, but this is spoken of a lot in the New Testament. And this, this type of love isn't unique to the Bible, and so that's, not, that's why I didn't call it, call it just God's love. But it's complete love. It's spoken of outside of the Bible as well, but the Bible brings it into, into clear definition. The Bible explains that, that this is the love that would cause someone to love the unlovable. It's the type of love that never locks the door because it never sees the end of a story and never will allow someone to be closed out forever. It's that type of love. In fact, it's the type of love that's defined in the wonderful poem in 1 Corinthians 13. I'll read from the middle of it. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Love keeps no record of wrongs and it is not easily angered. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. That's this kind of love. That's 
complete love. A love which is there for, for the benefit of, of another. The love that is there in a sacrificial way. A love that is there no matter what. It's a love that's defined by the poem in 1 Corinthians 13. This Holy Spirit given poem for us. And it's a love that's personified in Jesus. Complete love. Brotherly love. Familial love. Romantic love. I want you to think about, here's a little exercise for you. I want you to think about these four types of love this week. Hopefully you wrote them down. And I want you to think about these four types of love and I want you to, I want you to, I want you to color in the picture by thinking about, about faces of those you love in this way. Think about faces of those in your life, those that God has given you to love in this unique way. And think about, about what that means for you. And I want you to do something. I, I want you I want you to text that person or write a note to that person or phone that person or in some way reach out to that person and let them know how much they mean to you and how special they are. And I also want you to think about this in a different way. I want you to think about this in terms of who loves you this way and to also thank those people. And in that way, to spread love. In fact, that's the fulfillment of the word to love each other. It's, it's to enable another to know the love that you have for them and to know that you appreciate the love that they have for you. All right, I want to get deeper into the text. So I want, to, I want to go deeper into this as we look at what it means for us to say that Jesus chose to love. Go back here now into John 15. And Jesus says, love each other as I have loved you. Right? So I, I want to think about that for a second, as I have loved you. So Jesus is telling his disciples that he loves them. And he's explaining to them what his love means and what his, his love does, what his love demonstrates. And the, the type of love here is that complete love. And I want you to think about the ways that he's loved them up to this point. You see, we have the benefit of hindsight. And so we look at this and we say, oh, yes, we know how he loved. But I want you to think just up to this point with the disciples as they hear these words from Jesus' mouth, as they hear this part of a prayer, I, I want you to think of what they were imagining tells you something about the way that Jesus treated those closest to him, doesn't it? It tells you that he treated them with this deep, complete type of love that sought their best. They had seen Jesus treat lots of people this way. They had seen people who were unlovable, but not unlovable to Jesus. They had seen people who were outcast, people who were, who were outsiders, people who were those who lived in places and ways that we can only imagine but Jesus went there and they saw it and they experienced it in their own lives they experienced complete love from him they experienced brotherly love from him some of them even experienced familial love from him he was their good teacher that's what Jesus was to them at that point and so when he said to them love each other as I have loved you that must have been what was in their minds but then he goes on doesn't he he goes on to explain, greater love has no one than this, that he laid down one's life for his friends. And then he says, you are my friends, right? He explains the full extent of his love. And that's where we can look with hindsight. And we can say, this is exactly what Jesus did. That he would love them with a complete love. With a self-sacrificing love. With an, I want what's best for you type of love even at the expense of his own life. That is how Jesus loves. And that is how Jesus 
chooses to love. And that is how Jesus loves you. He loves you in this way. He loves you completely. He loves you in a way that seeks your best, that by his blood shed on the cross, his blood shed for you, your sins are washed away, atoned for, covered over, forgiven. He loves you in this way. He loves you completely. He chose you to love. But there's another way you can, you can understand that sentence, isn't there? He chose you to love. He chose you to love. And he also chose you to love. He chose us to love others the way that we have been loved. That's the admonition part. And that's a big portion of this text is the admonition to love each other. And when we love, his love is made complete in us. That's something that John will write in his first letter, 1 John 4, 12. He says, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. His complete love is shown through us. John, the author, knew what it meant to be loved and to love. He had seen it in Jesus. In fact, he refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. He, he knew what it was to be loved, and therefore he loves. And therefore the Holy Spirit used him to write these words for us. So that you would know that you are loved. And that you would know that, that Jesus chose to love you and chooses to love you and that Jesus chooses you to love. To love another in the same way that you have been loved. To love another as a choice and to do it perfectly and completely. To, to make the choice to love. And in so doing, to demonstrate God's complete love to the world. Now, I want to illustrate this for you, and I'm going to use a rather, a rather unusual example, especially for a Lutheran pastor, because I'm going to use the example of Pope John Paul II. Some of you will recall that on May 13, 1980, a man named Mehmet Ali Aka carried out a, an assassination attempt on Pope John Paul II's life. He shot him four different times. He shot him four times, and the Pope was left bleeding and critical and nearly died. Mehmet was taken into custody and Pope John Paul II somewhat miraculously through the wonders of modern science and modern medicine of the day recovered. And Pope John Paul said rather quickly that he had forgiven the man who had attempted to assassinate him. But two years later, on December 28, 1982, he allowed his actions to confirm his words. And he met with Mehmet Agba. He met with him in his prison cell where he was serving a life sentence. He went there, as you can see in the picture, and sat, sat with him for over 20 minutes, having a quiet conversation that only the two of them could hear, and by the way, which the two of them have never divulged the content of. He had a quiet conversation with him. And he let Agav know that he was forgiven. At the end of the conversation, he extended a hand, and the two shook hands, and Aga even kissed his ring. This is what John Paul II said about that. He said, we all need to be forgiven by others, and so we must forgive. Forgiving from the heart can sometimes be heroic, thanks to the healing power of love. Even the most wounded heart can experience the liberating encounter with forgiveness. Listen to that again. Thanks to the healing power of love, 
even the most wounded heart can experience the liberating encounter with forgiveness. Now, there are all sorts of stories about what happens with Aga, and some of them are confusing, but one of the ones that seems to be consistent is that because of this encounter and their, their ensuing friendship, Aga converted to Christianity, and that to this day, he trusts in Jesus as his Savior. A pretty remarkable way for one's heart to be changed and transformed, to be liberated from sin because of an encounter that he had with forgiveness, a forgiveness which was extended by complete love. Pope John Paul II made that difficult decision to choose to love. Well, brothers and sisters, God calls us to be in the same situation. Not not probably in such a radical situation, such a radical way, but every day of our lives to experience his love anew, the complete love that he has for us, and in the same way that we have been loved by Jesus, to choose to love each other. May it be so, for the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen.